Yo, what up, Spence? Welcome back, man. And just as a little friendly reminder, it's always better if it feels longer to them than it does to you. He was slinging pawns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. I think a part in about time too about not playing the ND. It was free for all, and I heard him say, he bought my borderlands. But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick, cause you're incapable AMs. Hello, my name's Spencer, aka, 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 <laughs> the risk of kicking the show off with two double entendres, it's very difficult for me to get my tongue around that. I'm Spencer, also known as Free For All, and you're listening to Keep Off The Borderlands, but then you know that. And just before my wonderful theme from TJ Drennan, a uh, message from Joe Richter of Hindsightless and Wheel or Woe. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what he's referring to, but as a general piece of advice, that comment stands on its own. Cheers, Joe. What have I got for you today? Well, it's basically me responding to a bunch of call-ins that I received recently. So let's get on with it, shall we? Spencer, I know I've made a lot of mistakes, a lot, a lot of mistakes in my brief time. The main one being not giving you kudos for doing RPG RPG day. I no excuse, no no excuse. I'm no, genuinely, I'm sorry. I'm actually embarrassed about it. Um, how about I give you ten extra luck points on Monday? How about that little? you know, under the table, backhander, is there anything I can do. But, you know, much though I've made a lot of mistakes, you call in pretending that you're from Lancaster with a Scouse accent. It's only 40 miles away, but believe me, mate, it's a world apart. A world. Ah, Andy, Andy, Andy. Andy Goodman from Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks there. And yes, I wasn't trying to do Lancaster. <laughs> you can hear Lancaster. Listen to me. I say like the bloody nobility, don't I? I wasn't trying to do Lancaster. Um, I was trying to do Lancashire. And I know Scouse is a very specific, distinctive accent. I was also trying not to go full Scouse. But, as I think I said on Discord, I believe I failed in that endeavour. <laughs> this is referring to a message I left Andy, which I don't believe is aired yet, and may never be aired, because um, there, I, there's a whole host of stuff I've sent Andy, which, you know, it just kind of goes into this bottomless pit. He never responds to my calls. He never calls back. <laughs> and, yes, totally snubbed. RPG a day month there as well in his recent recap so uh, come on Andy get it together 
I like to think that rather than publish my messages, Andy puts them maybe in some kind of secret lockable box that he keeps in his bedside cabinet. Oddly, there are a couple of messages of mine that pop up repeatedly on various different episodes of his, but um, I'm not sure what that's all about. <laughs> Incidentally, safer fantasy crafting if you're not listening to that, you certainly should be. His most recent episode was extremely interesting, talking about uh, how regional English dialects have changed. A really nice reading of Chaucer that he does there in his in his own accent. Hey, Spencer, Jason here. I have not seen Tenant yet. I might get to theaters and see it. We'll see how my schedule goes. Um, but you're absolutely right. The having the soundtrack and the ambient noise overshadow characters' voices is something that he does in multiple films, and it is by design because he's caught, you know, he's been criticized for that before, and has defended that choice before. So you're spot on on that. Um, I'll probably check it out based on what you said, but. Yeah, we'll see if my schedule allows me to. But thank you for doing the, the review. I appreciate it. And it's good hearing you back doing normal episodes. Talk to you later. Hey, Jason. Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast there. And thank you very much for calling in with that. As far as getting back to normal episodes, I'm not sure how normal <laughs> that last episode was. I'd completely forgotten to do an intro and outro. And um, I think I was still in the RPG a day mindset there. And it's not often that I'll review a film either, but a little more on that in a second. And that was more of a, more of a bonus episode anyway. As for the, the sound issue with Tenet, and I'd, I had to keep correcting myself saying Tenant, it's easily done. But I watched a very interesting video on YouTube on a channel called uh, Primary Cinema. I think it's called The Problem with Christopher Nolan's Sound Mixing. Probably has a slightly snappier title than that. But it not only goes into what Christopher Nolan is going for, but other factors contributing to why his films sound like they do. Primarily, he wants the dialogue to be as difficult to hear as it would be if you were actually there in the scene with all that background noise going on. He wants you to strain to hear what's being said. I think that's also very much attached to trying to draw your attention in. But I think in, in a lot of respects, it has the opposite effect. And in that video, it highlights a couple of other directors like David Fincher and Michael Mann, who go for a similar effect as far as dialogue during loud scenes are concerned and how they are far more successful in making the dialogue clearer because of the techniques they employ to create a similar effect. So yeah, it is by design in a lot of respects. Nolan is clearly very particular about how he wants things done and sadly that may not always be to the benefit of the audience. I did want to say a couple more things about Tenet. Um, in thinking about it the last couple of days, 
I recommended that if you want to see this, see this on the big screen. Obviously, there's a caveat there. Look at the guidelines in your area regarding visiting cinema theatres because obviously there are still risks involved. When me and my wife went to see the screening, we had to wear masks throughout the performance, which was quite interesting considering that almost everybody in the film is wearing a mask. There were only, you know, including us, there were only three couples in the auditorium. So, you know, social distancing was very much in effect. Also, when I say, if you want to see this, go and see this on the big screen, I'm not necessarily recommending that you go and see this. What I'm saying is if you want to see it, it's worth watching on the big screen. Addressing the issue with dialogue and exposition, as I said in the previous episode, the stuff relating to how the technology works in the film is very clearly explained. What's difficult to follow is the plot. Now, that isn't because the plot is complicated. It's because the plot is unnecessarily convoluted and in many ways isn't worth understanding. Very early on in the film, and Nolan loves doing this sort of thing, there's a character who says, don't try to understand it, just feel it. And that's Nolan telling the audience, this is how you should watch the film. Because the plot is dumb, really. The plot is essentially padding and is an excuse for some really nice set pieces. And if that sounds good to you, and it's safe to do so, I recommend watching it on the big screen. Thanks for that, Jason. I love talking about film and any excuse to keep prattling on. It's great. Cheers. And and following on from that, last night I watched a Charlie Kaufman film called um, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, based on a novel of the same name, but I think it deviates from the novel quite significantly, as any Charlie Kaufman adaptation would. I'm a big fan of his work, although I do prefer his scripts directed by other directors like um, Spike Jones and Michael Gondry than when he directs his own material or directs material that he's adapted. Although there's, there's a lot that I loved about this film, but my pithy review of I'm Thinking of Ending Things is I'm thinking this should have ended 10 minutes sooner. Because for me... It does go off the rails, sadly. But it stars Jessie Buckley, who I think is a wonderful actor. I just I just think she's great. So there you go. What we got next? Hello, mate. This is uh, Savinio calling from Alone in the Labyrinth. Uh, this is what you call a belated response. Thank you for your message of nearly, probably coming up for six plus months ago now. And thank you as well for um, for supporting Pariah. I hope that got you all right. Um, pleased to be back and uh, just going back through all your RPG month posts now and uh, catching up on what I've missed. And uh, uh, should I weigh in on the old cream debate, Custard? And I don't know. I just 
I don't associate the two things mainly because my early memories of custard are in a tin in powdered form and uh, you could either turn it into a delicious accompaniment to apple crumble or you could stick a spoon in and eat it and suffer like you wouldn't believe. Alright, thanks mate. Uh, catch you again. That was Safinho there from Alone in the Labyrinth, uh, a podcast that I'm not sure if it's still going, but uh, he put out a few episodes a few months back. Hold up. Oh, I see Safinho has put out a third episode after a six-month hiatus. So head over to Alone in the Labyrinth and give that a listen. I'm not sure. Were you suggesting eating powdered custard out of a tin there? I'm not sure I could recommend that. Um, But uh, thanks very much for your message. Uh, Safinho produced... Pariah, which was a zine for Zine Quest 2, essentially a whole role-playing system, described as psychedelic, neolithic, animist, old-school role-play. And with a pitch like that, well, I couldn't resist backing it. I do have it, and just one thing or another, I haven't got around to having a proper look at it. So apologies there, Safinho. Uh, one thing that attracted me to that game was my own interests in settings of that nature, Doggerland, the Mesolithic period. And I've got some messages from Carl Rodriguez relating to that. Take it away, Carl. Hey, Spencer. I'm pretty excited about a Doggerland-type Paleolithic game. I actually have Worm as a rule set and I'm reading through Paleomythic now. Um, it'd be kind of neat. I found some maps of Doggerland that looked like I could put them or import them into like a hex crawl type of thing. Might be interesting. So I'm looking forward to, I think Barney had contacted me to do some sort of play testing. I guess it is with that system and maybe with that um, type of setting. I really like Actually, if I could do my degree again, my undergraduate degree, which was in biochemistry, I would have done it in bioanthropology because I really like anthropology and archaeology. And maybe if I could do my career all over again, instead of being a biochemist, I'd be an anthropologist. Thanks, Carl. I'm really interested to hear that you've got worm and paleomythic. I picked up paleomythic and um, I, I quite like the look of it. I think Barney possibly picked it up on my recommendation. I don't, I don't think he was quite as enamoured with it as I was. But I'd like to hear how you feel that compares with Worm. I'm also interested to hear that you've got some maps of Doggerland. I downloaded a couple of bits, but it'd be nice uh, to perhaps get a look at those maps that you've got because um, just to see if they're different from the ones I've seen. So, uh, yeah, very interesting. I think you've got a bit to say about Viking helmets. Spencer, Vikings never wore horned helmets. That was a Victorian affectation put on after the public offering of Wagner's ring cycle. Um, they needed horns for to counteract the wings, apparently, in Rise of the Valkyries. At least I read that somewhere, or heard it somewhere. 
probably on a show about myths about Vikings. Anyway, horn helmets, only dwarves wear them. Actually, the cool kind of helmets that both Viking and Saxon lords had were those like um, uh, face covering ones. Uh, so they've been found like at Sutton Hoo burial and in another Viking burial. I think the Viking burial in um, the Netherlands, they found like a full on helmet with like the face guard that just had the eyes showing. They're pretty fucking cool. Better than horned helmets, I think. Thanks, Carl. Uh, yeah, I think I said that horned Viking helmets weren't actually a thing. I may have read somewhere that there may have been some horned helmets simply for ceremonial purposes, but I don't know where I read that, and I will defer to your expertise. Certainly, the idea that Victorians invented those yeah, the the Victorians are responsible for all kinds of misconceptions we have about history. And the, yeah, the Sutton Who helmet with the, the face guard, that is an image that has fascinated me for as far back as I can remember. Living in Essex, which is on the edge of East Anglia, it's an area rich in Anglo-Saxon archaeological significance growing up around that stuff captured my imagination from a very, very young age. Archaeological finds, artifacts, sites, settlements, stuff like that. Just really lots of interesting stuff there. In a lot of ways, it's very easy to take that stuff for granted living in that part of the world because you're surrounded by that kind of history. I mean, my, my wife used to live opposite a church that was in the doomsday book and stuff like that is uh is really quite remarkable if you think about it so i was thinking about revisiting the subject of immersion here because i had some responses from chay to i think it was the purple worm rider episode that i released just before kicking off rpg a day month there's also a couple of call-ins from Colin picking up on what I was saying there. I don't think I shared those messages from Colin, so what I'm going to do, I'll put those in the next episode. So, a cliffhanger. Stay tuned. Well, that's about enough for me, I think. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much for your calls. If you want to leave me a message, please contact me via the anchor link in the description. You can always email me or leave me an audio message at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com. There's a Facebook page for Keep Off The Borderlands. You can find me on Twitter and MeWe on the Audio Dungeon Discord and various other places on Discord as Free Thrall. I'd also like to thank TJ Drennan for the wonderful music he provides. And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ.
Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.